Mr. Pop. Dark. When the little birds are nasty, and I listen to them too, there's two lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Hello, and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring Fantasy Flight Games' Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm Dane. I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. And today, we're talking Innsmouth. Welcome to the Investigators of Arkham Innsmouth Addiction. Ad- <laughs> Innsmouth <Wow>. Addiction. <laughs> Innsmouth Addiction. Get your fix here. <laughs> when, when you just can't get enough of being a disgusting fish monster, you've got the well, Innsmouth Addiction. Welcome to the Investigators of Arkham Innsmouth you're, Addiction. You're crazy if you think Dan's going to edit that. I've, I've got, no, I'm definitely not editing that. I have an Innsmouth Addiction, and the only cure is more tuna. <laughs> That's not even really a good joke. Well, I think tuna is in like the Pacific and stuff. I don't think you can catch tuna in like New England. Salmon. Like I think some, there's salmon everywhere. Some trout. But you know what? Tuna is delicious, and I think everyone can agree with that. That is very true. So, what are we doing today? Uh, we're talking about investigators, right? We have more new investigators. I guess that is the case, huh? Uh, and so, to to remind everybody, when we when we talk about investigators on this show, which we've been doing, you know, a lot recently. Uh, we try to answer five questions. What is their greatest strength? What is their greatest flaw? What kind of role can they play in a group or on their own? Uh, what are some of their favorite cards? And uh, what movie would they star in? If there was a movie made kind of about this investigator's story, uh, what what existing movie would, would it be like? So we'll try to answer those five questions for each of these. And we should mention ahead of time maybe that uh, one of these five investigators, Silas, we have already discussed because... Uh, we discussed him as part of our Survivors episode because he was already released in a book. So go check it out. Yeah, but we'll we'll come back at the very end and we'll we'll briefly discuss Silas just to talk about his new signature cards. So to be fair, we also we've had Dexter now for a while, so we're probably going to re- be referring to that a lot when we actually start talking about him. <laughs> yeah, but we didn't talk about him when we did Mystics. We have not. I think he had, we have he had not. just come out or was yeah. about to come out. There were definitely like eight we... Mystics out at the time, and we were like, we can't <laughs> we can't be on, on this for like two hours talking about like the billion Mystics that exist. I think it was something like that. <laughs> but anyway. So yeah, let's, let's just uh, jump in with the first new investigator. So the first investigator is a guardian. Uh, who would have thought? Mm. It is Sister Mary, the nun. So I guess... Before we talk about Sister Mary, we should talk about the mechanic that Innsmouth introduced, which is the Blessed and Cursed Tokens mechanic. Sister Mary's ability says, during setup, add two Blessed Tokens to the Chaos Bag. And then, triggered, when the round ends, add one Blessed Token to the Chaos Bag. And then her Elder Sign is a plus one. If you succeed, you added a Blessed Token to the bag. And she's got five sanity, or five uh, health, nine sanity. So that's like really atypical stats for a guardian who usually wants to throw themselves into harm's way to murder things but sister mary's deck building options uh guardian cards uh, level zero to five neutral cards zero to five mystic cards level zero to two normal deck size uh and her stats she has four will uh which might pair well with the mystic subtype or su- sub uh, thing and uh two intellect three combat and three agility uh, definitely a kind of a yeah a, like you were saying kind of a different sort of guardian maybe more similar to carolyn in some ways than the sort of more typical guardians yeah i think so um and yeah that that three combat is kind of telling you that 
you maybe have to play her a little bit differently. You either have to focus on things other than fighting, or maybe you have to fight using her will instead of her combat, or maybe you have to sort of try to really be confident that you're going to have enough bless tokens in the bag to uh, be successful, maybe? Um, speaking Probably of bless a combination tokens, of all the above. <laughs> do you want to read her signature card and weakness? Because those also involve bless oh, tokens. Oh yeah, so her signature card is uh, Guardian Angel. It is a two-cost asset uh, gives a will symbol, a combat symbol, and a wild symbol. It's a ritual and blessed, which might be important. Sister Mary deck only. Uh, Guardian Angel may be assigned damage dealt to other investigators at your location and connecting locations. Triggered ability, when any amount of damage is assigned to Guardian Angel, add that many blessed tokens to the chaos bag. And it has three health soak and no horror soak. Her weakness is called Crisis of Faith. It is a uh, madness, treachery, uh, revelation for each bless token in the chaos bag you must either replace it with a curse token or take one horror so she is all about cursed and blessed tokens and real quick just for a refresher in the case in that anybody doesn't know what they are a blessed token when you draw one from the bag you add a plus two modifier to the skill test and then you draw another token removing that blessed token from the bag after you resolve that ability and then the curse token is the exact opposite where if you draw it it adds a minus two modifier to your test and then you push it out of the bag and then you draw another one so she wants to improve the bag. And I think you can have max 10 of either one, right? So you can have max 10 cursed and blessed tokens if you're an absolute maniac, or you can have 10 blessed or just 10 cursed or however you want to do it. You, you can have 10 of each. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, so playing by playing Sister Mary, you basically just get a renewable source of blessed tokens, which is not really a thing that you can get easily any other way so far. You know, there's cards that kind of like add tokens once, or there's things like Blessed Blade that in theory can be used every turn, but it's reliant on having something of fight and succeeding on a test. So if if you're playing a deck where you really want to put a ton of blessed tokens in the bag, then Sister Mary is, is one way to do that. It's also kind of the core thing about blessed tokens is that they are in the bag for everybody, right? So I think that maybe she's sort of pointing in the direction of being like a support investigator, kind of like Carolyn. I think the difference is that Carolyn is sort of, uh, I think Carolyn is better at getting clues than Sister Mary is at fighting. Is that fair or am I wrong about that? She is a natural four intellect. Carolyn, I'm talking about, has a natural four intellect, which is huge. Um, She has three will and uh, the intellect kind of takes her, takes her uh, in a different league, I think. I think Sister Mary, the fact that she adds bless tokens is good. Um, but we don't actually know how good it will be. Yeah, I'm I'm also like I'm not even convinced that adding blessed tokens to the bag is as good a form of support as like giving people money from healing their horror. Yeah, and that said, I mean, I don't think she's dead weight or anything like that. I think that she has a lot of like support options for her. She's got like safeguard makes her far less of dead weight. <laughs> she's got things like stand together. Um, she's got a lot of spells that might be helpful in in mystic. So yeah, I mean, the things with the guardian cards is all the guardians have access to those guardian cards. So she has to be able to justify herself outside of that. Yeah, that's that's where it gets right. sketchy. I mean. Because she can play, you know, she can play Let Me Handle This and uh, Stand Together and Leadership Level 2. And she can play that new card that seals blessed tokens but makes uh, playing cards cheaper for people. So that's all pretty cool. But I just think even in a four-player game, I think you kind of have to be at least reasonably good at either clues or enemy management. Yeah. In order to not be, as Dane said, dead weight. And I think you could do that with Sister Mary, but I just think that with that three combat, it's kind of an uphill climb. It's tough, you know? yeah. So so let's go through her, her questions. So 
Sister Mary's greatest strength. Probably the fact that she adds so many blessed tokens and like hypothetically she can make them she can make certain strategies happen. Not necessarily that she's changing the math in the bag. But that's that's a strength that has like an asterisk next to it too. Let's see how the rest of the Innsmouth player cards play out over the next few months. Exactly, because... yeah. I'd love to see some some cards that really love having more blessed tokens in the bag. I'm expecting it to be some type of like big guardian weapon that comes out in like pack five or six or whatever that's like cues you know really fires off if you draw blessed tokens during it or something like a some type of blessed version of the shotgun or something i don't know <laughs> the blessed bazooka <laughs> I, I guess even even then that would just be so unreliable like i'm not even convinced that would be good like i i, I can't even it, it would take some effort i think for me to sit down and be like what would a good blessed token payoff be there could be some I mean, we'll talk about this when we talk about cards. I think maybe she wants to use a couple cards that let her draw, lets her draw multiple tokens, so she can like dig for blessed tokens more easily. Yeah, but yeah, if she's yeah. just drawing a single token from the bag, it's really hard to get blessed token payoff. For for other strengths, we should mention being able to play ward level two is a strength, <laughs> especially in a support role, right? Like if we're looking at her as primarily as that kind of a thing. Yeah, and and just in general, I think there are other mystic cards that are quite helpful to her as well. Um, oh exactly yeah and i do just i i always like the investigators that have a like subclass like level two just because it gives you a lot of options yeah i mean she can even use that mystical two to get like right of seeking two to be able to actually get clues using yeah, willpower or or six cents even like that those are yeah. both good options for her yeah i wish shriveling it wasn't like a level three for its upgrade but she could use shriveling as a low level spell for early early I game know. all the all the bigger spells are a little level three but so so let's i mean let's move on and talk about weaknesses i think it's a little bit of a weakness that it feels like if somebody has four will and three combat i would much rather have access to the full mystic card pool than the full guardian card pool like i i wish that she had like diana's deck building because I would rather play high level, you know, upgraded shriveling or Azure Flame or something in her, I think, than um, you know, upgraded weapons. Don't don't you guys think so? Yeah, that's fair. Um that being said, like four four will is is pretty good on your own. Like uh means that you can mostly stand stand uh by yourself and, and not be too worried about like the things that are coming out of the encounter deck, but again, her stats are just a little leaving something to be desired. <laughs> her stat line's weird. Five five in uh, health two is a little awkward. This is like a survivor stat line. That's what this is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, you're right. The yeah. numbers are weird. They have like high willpower but bad int, and then like average other stuff. Uh, <laughs> that that and... is very true, actually. Yeah, uh, I I feel like the survivor version would be like four agility and like one book or something. But uh, yeah, no, well and. She also, uh, yeah, that was a good point. Her five health is a really, that's the other thing that in my view makes her potentially just a bad combat person is five combat is really rough. So our our friend Colin is playing Sister Mary in our initial run of Innsmouth with me and Ben. And uh, he's been on the verge of death quite frequently. <laughs> really? Oh um, no. I mean, you just, you don't want to have like, I don't think anybody wants to have five health especially if you're at least considering being like a, a fighter i really think you don't want to have only five health you know? well uh the thing is with guardian there's at least a lot of options for health soak which i don't know if colin's running any of those so like you know just a little bit of health soak would she can make up for that 
maybe just like hallowed mirror you've got first aid you've got like a whole ton of stuff that are she can play deny existence too but it's just like you don't want to be you don't want to be constantly relying on that stuff to not die which is what's been happening so far (laughs) then you're filling (laughs) your deck with things to not die rather than things to do well I'm I'm just yeah. confused by it because I feel like it's not like it would have been weird for her to have six eight or even seven seven which six I think nine even a, right like a lot better because her her her, her base stats or her um her intellect and all that stuff are so low they could compensate uh, by giving her like six nine that's pretty great they have I think there's some kind of formula they use where depending on the some of their stats and whether they have an off class or not I think that affects what the sum of the health and sanity can I be I think it's the off class like this makes yeah. it so there's a little bit less here in the front but i would if, if i could if i could just switch her to six eight or seven seven i would immediately do it you no, know who else is a support and has six nine carolyn yeah well, she doesn't <laughs> have a true off class though she has kind of a weird she's got know. a weird thing yeah but anyway but so other flaws i mean i think uh i think both her signature card and her weakness are kind of eh, you know like i think probably for crisis of faith if there are a bunch of if if there's a bunch of blessed tokens, you probably turn most of them into curse tokens, and then whatever blessed tokens don't do anything, curse tokens don't do anything, like it's fine. Well, crisis of faith, crisis of faith, you just you just deny existence. Crisis of faith, really. Yeah, it's it's the same thing <laughs> yeah, as um it, as uh, Diana's right, where it's like you would take oh no, I have five blessed tokens in the bag, which means I'll take five horror, and then you just deny existence. It's not like five instances of one damage each, right? Uh, Ooh, right. actually. Yeah, no, it's all it's all at once. Yeah, okay. Okay. So so then you just die in existence it. But so kind of an interesting thing about Guardian Angel. Um if somebody else is packing Solemn Vow, that is a way to have Guardian Angel go like kind of like an infinite damage soak for you and your friends across two locations. When when you say someone else, you mean Sister Mary can use it and Oh no, she's yeah, you, you have to target somebody like, else. Uh, yeah. You cannot you yeah, cannot somebody target else yourself. Can, yeah. So Guardian Angel is weird, though, because it, it has a very generous three for three health for Soak for two two money. The issue is that, oh, don't worry, friends, I'm going to go and, and soak a bunch of, of damage for you. But she actually needs it because she has such so, a small health pool. Hang, hang, hang on for a second. So if I have, suppose I'm playing Sister Mary and I have Guardian Angel out and I have Solemn Vow in my hand. And then suppose somebody else in the group also has Solemn Vow. Could I do something like, uh, could I use like Smoking Pipe to take a damage, put it on Guardian Angel, then use somebody else's Solemn Vow to move that uh, damage over to somebody else? And then, I, I don't know, is there some kind of weird, dumb thing where like every turn you could just... I, I think this wouldn't really be that useful because it would be like you'd be activating Solemn Vow once per turn anyway. Like the, the most you could do is just like definitely use it every turn to put even more blessed tokens in the bag. Yeah, no, I don't think the Solemn Vow thing works. Uh, just, just like with Mark, like moving, placing, assigning are all technically different things. And uh, right, Solemn that's, Vow moves that's why I was that's why I was trying to figure out a thing where like you would activate Smoking Pipe and then you'd you know take a damage and assign it to Guardian Angel and then you'd move that off and then you'd like do it again. That's oh what yeah, I was yeah, that might work. Yeah, but but even still, it wouldn't. You couldn't really keep it going indefinitely. It's tough because like Guardian Angel really points to like a very very much a supporty thing right because it's not really say, saying like oh you can use your will instead of your your intellect for investigating or giving you a combat bonus or anything like that it's not pointing you in any specific direction other than like guys i can take damage for the team so that really signals that she it's tough it's a, it signals that she doesn't really have like a specific role in terms of like i'm going to be doing all the investigating or i'm going to be doing all the fighting because she's 
probably not doing either of those things very well. Yeah. Yeah, she's kind of more in the middle. So let's talk about her role. And yeah, I think it's like you guys said, I, I think that, you know, people try to make sort of like support decks and probably Min and Carolyn are probably the most uh, popular de- investigators we've seen for that before. What we usually tell people is if you're going to try to make a support deck, you still need to be good at doing either clues or enemies as your baseline because people, other people are not always going to need horror healing. There's only so much you can provide that way. Sometimes it's like we really need everybody to pitch in and do something. And I think for Sister Mary, I mean, yeah, like if she's going to, she can definitely play cards to be decent at getting clues and she can play cards to be decent at fighting. So she's kind of like a weird mystic in a way. Maybe that's how we should think about her. Yeah, I was thinking about like trying to trying to figure out like what the best, most interesting and most most fun thing to do with Sister Mary would be. And I came to like a weird build where you'd be like a soak that had like Brother Xavier and and maybe like a police badge or something like that. And and you were able to like give other people actions and soak damage and horror through Guardian Angel, which you can also actually play with uh, with. The thing we always hate that isn't fast. Uncage the soul. Yes, you can play Guardian Angel with Uncage the Soul, uh, which is kind of a unique perk for her. But aside from that, she can soak a lot of health and, and sanity, and and she can get some clues. There's a lot of mystic things that helps her help her get clues, like read the signs, or yeah, read the signs, all the the aforementioned sixth sense and all that stuff. Like and she's, she she's the kind of okay at doing that. Yeah, drawing the flame, things like that, but. It's really hard for me to justify her in like a one or two person thing because she struggles with doing either fighting or investigating as well as many other investigators can do. Yeah. See, I I almost think it's kind of the opposite. I almost think if you're playing her in like a two player game, then you're basically getting like you're going to draw half of the blessed tokens that she generates. So maybe that helps you pass a little bit more reliably. Like this is one thing I have been wondering about blessed tokens is we usually play three or four player are blessed tokens in solo just like way more relevant because you know that you are going to draw them? Like I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But because, um, because like it's not like the number of blessed tokens like scales up with the number of players, but the number of tests that people do does scale up. Yeah, that's so. fair. Yeah, that is fair. I don't know if yeah, it makes that I much difference because you know, I think in solo you can still just draw four of them on one test, and then suddenly you have none. <laughs> It, no, it's true, but it's it, and there's also just the fact that you know things like read the signs, drawn of the flame, scene of the crime are like great in two player, right? And they're just not as good in you know four player. So I could I could see her maybe being an interesting as like a, a part, like a duo with some other specific investigator that could be kind of fun. I think it's gonna be really reliant on how good blessed tokens can be with other cards because maybe you can do builds where like everybody's kind of running the blessed cards that either add blessed tokens or benefit from them. So you're constantly adding them to the bag, and you're able to like trigger them to do fun effects. But it's yeah. gonna be hard to say. I think it's. I think, I think her in particular, it's the hardest to judge until we see the full cycle. Right. Yeah, I think how that, strong I think she the be. Still out on that. Yeah. Uh, so favorite cards, though. So of the cards that we know so far, we've mentioned sort of mystic cards that help you get clues if you want to go in that direction. We've mentioned things like Shriveling or Azure Flame if you want to do damage might be better for her than weapons. Although you could make a case for like Thompson and stuff. Um, what What are some other good cards for her? The Rite of Sanctification, I was about to say, uh, Dane yeah. mentioned earlier. Yeah. Seems like it's very strong for her just because it's easy to get the enough blessed tokens in the bag. She can do it relatively passively, maybe has to play one card to, to boost them up. And then she can get that down relatively early and then give like a 10 resource discount over the rest of the game to herself or to, you know, split up amongst herself and their players. 
It is too bad that she can't play. I think all four of the survivor cards in the box involve Blesser Curse tokens. Yes, they do. And she can't play those. Too bad she can't play Dane's favorite card that adds like four Bless tokens to the to the bag. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was kind of surprised, and it I, which also has her on the art. <laughs> that's that's what's funny is even if you're going for like, I, I guess if you really are going all in on Bless tokens, you probably do want to play her. But for a lot of these types of decks, Father Mateo might be better just because he can play like all of the Bless cards. I wonder if she started out as like a guardian and then like like carolyn style where she had like some like two subclasses with a limited amount of cards and it was I like think para- survivor parallel mystic. mary who can play like any card that has a blessed symbol on it might be interesting um, <laughs> yeah i don't think it'd be yeah. i don't think it'd be better but it might be more fun um but, but sorry other cards for her any anything else to to mention i feel like she could benefit a lot from stuff that lets her draw multiple tokens and choose one there's level two grotesque statues she could grab sure yeah everybody's favorite olive mcbride yeah, all of them can maybe help her out. Like stuff that helps her like get to be able to grab the blessed tokens um in order to trigger whatever effects that she needs. Um uh, although right now again there's not too much to trigger off of, but is I mean I, I already obviously I believe the answer to this is no. Is it worth trying to seal non blessed tokens in her? Like is it worth playing Chthonian Stone or something? Probably not, but I think give it a try. Dane and I made the same like puzzled face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do you ask that? I just don't know. I'm I'm just, I'm just trying to cover all the bases. I'm never going to play Sister Mary ever. I figured uh, it out. You know. I think you play sist- You play a card called uh, Jacqueline Fine with her, um, and trigger <laughs> trigger that ability every turn, uh, so that Mary can draw the blessed token. So the Jacqueline just stares at you, mad that. You're constantly asking for the ability. Olive is basically like a shitty version of Jacqueline as an ally. So, you know, sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Okay. And then uh, what was the... Okay. So for the movie that we picked for Sister Mary, uh, we had to, we had to pick a nun movie, right? Because that's what, that's what she's all about. So we picked uh, Black Narcissus, which is a really, really great uh, British movie from the 40s about some uh i guess maybe a little bit spooky but it's not really a horror movie or anything uh stuff that goes down in a remote monastery in india run by a bunch of english nuns and uh, it's a really 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 good movie um it's on i think it's on like the criterion channel definitely recommend it it's pretty short too i think it's only like an hour and a half classic nice uh should we move on to the next investigator yep okay so the seeker for insmith is amanda sharp the student her stat line is uh two 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 and two. What what's going on here? I guess I guess we'll find out. One better than Preston. So Amanda's de- here's here's Amanda's deal. At the beginning of the investigation phase, she draws a card. She discards the card beneath Amanda Sharp. Wait, what card beneath Amanda Sharp? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, and then you choose a card from your hand and place it beneath her. So it's sort of like at the beginning of each investigator phase. You draw a card, you pick a card to put underneath Amanda, and it replaces the old card under there. So you always have a card underneath Amanda, and she has a reaction ability. At the start of a skill test you're performing, commit the skill card beneath Amanda Sharp. If able, do not discard it when the test ends. So you kind of just have like a little onboard skill card that you can always commit whenever you do a test, if it is legal to commit it to that test. It's not necessarily a skill card, though. It can be any card with icons. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. a card that you're in. Or any, or any card, period. Yeah, yeah, and and she has. Uh, you can even put a card underneath it with no icons that can't be committed, like cash, if you really have to. Yeah. Um, and she has seven health, seven sanity. For deck building, she gets all seeker cards, and she gets neutral cards and uh, practice skills level zero to three. Uh, it's interesting. It says practice skills. I I don't think there are any non-skill practiced cards, but it's interesting that it specifically says that. So, 
Uh, and then I'll, I'll, I'll mention her signatures really quickly. So her, her signature card is called Obscure Studies. It's a zero cost event with three wild icons. It's an insight. And uh, you fast play when you initiate a skill test, return the card beneath a mana sharp to your hand, place Obscure Studies beneath her. So when you do a test, you can instantly play this to basically trade places between this card and the card currently underneath Amanda. And then her weakness is Whispers from the Deep. It's a card with one wild icon, which subtracts from your skill instead of adding it. So it's like minus one. And if you have it in your hand, when it comes time to pick a card to put beneath Amanda at the beginning of Investigator phase, you have to choose Whispers from the Deep. So it's like a bad card that you don't want underneath her, but you might have to put it there. So Dan, you've been playing Amanda. I have. Do you think she has any strengths that are notable? I I like Amanda a lot. I mean, let's let's just start by mentioning strengths. The strength is that you can get a lot of reuse out of powerful skill cards, right? So there's skill cards like a you know upgraded deduction. If you put that underneath Amanda and you spend your whole turn and investigate three times, you discover a massive amount of clues, right? <laughs> or if you put an upgraded perception underneath her, then you you investigate three times, you draw a ton of cards. Uh, there's other skill cards like, you know, Eureka is really good. There's, there's other skills too, that are just really good to have under her. Right. And she has access to the seeker card pool and practice skills. So she has a lot of really powerful stuff that she can do. Yeah. I think upon first, first glance, we had no idea how she was going to pan out because she was more of like the puzzle investigator at this set where it's like, he yeah. has all zeros. What? He has all ones. What? And she has all She's twos. the puzzle what? investigator, but they still gave her all twos. Which is higher than the other puzzle investigators. Also, she's a and they, seeker. Yeah, like, they gave her the yeah. seeker card pool. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and also the strength that uh, it's it's uh, I'm honestly I'm really surprised that I didn't mention it yet. But obviously, she gets to draw an extra card every turn. That's that's pretty good. I mean, like you even if it was like you just draw an extra card every turn and then you commit to something, you didn't get to sort of like duplicate skill cards. Just getting that extra draw would be fantastic, right? Yeah. So that's a that's a real huge strength for her. Yeah, I mean, like, her ability lends itself very much to, like, doing exactly what you want to be doing as a Seeker. The only thing that you could be you could be doing better than getting clues pretty reliably at, like, four or five intellect is drawing cards while you're doing it. Or getting extra clues while you're doing it, which is exactly <laughs> right. what all of the uh, practice skills do for you. So, and that's because she encourages you to play a lot of skills. You play, you play skills like, uh, unexpected courage, promise of power, inquiring minds. You play a lot of just generally powerful skill cards. So if there's something like a brazier test in, um, union disillusion, or if there's like a random parley that requires like really high agility that you have to do, you can usually do it. So it, it is nice to have that kind of flexibility. Um, I should also mention, we'll talk about her signature and weakness maybe more later, but her weakness, I think, is really not that bad. You can usually just commit it to get rid of it unless you draw it right at the beginning of investigator phase. And even then, the worst is it means you can't do tests for a turn, kind of, unless you really commit other things. So it's like, you know, unless it comes out at the exact wrong time, often it's like, okay, I'll just use this turn to move or something. So I think it's a pretty gentle weakness. Yeah, I had misread it uh, at first, and I thought that no matter what, if it was in your hand, you couldn't get rid of it unless you put it under her, basically. So it would always take a turn from you when you found it, um, which is actually not mm-hmm. the case. You could even you could that, even pull it back to your hand and just commit it for, with a test with with obscure studies, which is what that's I that's the thing is obscure studies, <laughs> which is really obscure studies is really cool because it, it either lets you like 
kind of rescue a skill card that's about to be like during mythos phase that's about to be discarded and kind of like get it back to use it again or it lets you if you do have to put whispers from the deep under her you can kind of like immediately snag it back and then commit it to something so that's cool yeah i think that i mean there are so many pros for amanda <laughs> yeah scarce days i didn't notice it was only you can only trigger it when you initiate a skill test that that is annoying because if you're trying to rescue a card from underneath amanda you kind of have to like hope that you draw a treachery during uh mythos phase so that you can do it yeah but you know it's it's fine it's not too bad let's talk about weaknesses a little bit L- let me mention first there's one particular card whose interaction with amanda is interesting and that is uh grizzly totem so initially when we were looking at amanda the ruling on the mythos Busters discord was that at least potentially you could exhaust Grizzly Totem when you're committing a card that's underneath Amanda. The initial ruling was, huh, maybe if you add an extra symbol with Grizzly Totem, it stays on the card as it sits under Amanda until it goes away. It it, it depends on this like really technical ruling of like what is in and out of play and things like that. So the first couple scenarios of Innsmouth, we were using that interpretation and I had Grizzly Totem. And it worked pretty great because it really just makes a mana more powerful because you're committing stuff to almost every test, right? And then people thought about it a little more and it seems like actually that's not true. You you use Grizzly Totem, you get an extra icon for one test and then it goes away. And I still think Amanda's really cool. Like when that was active, I thought Amanda was maybe like almost up there with like the highest tier of like Seekers. And I still think Amanda's quite good and very fun, but in a weird way, just that one card being different kind of brings her down a lot because you you really want static bonuses like magnifying glass and stuff that boosts her intellect so that even if you don't have a great skill card you can still you know be useful and not just be like hanging around doing nothing and without the grizzly totem it's sort of like there's just like not quite enough cards to like really just always reliably have her intellect be high enough i mean once you get enough xp there is but it, it it's just a little bit more hoops that you have to jump through now compared to what we thought earlier I should say, for the record, uh, that initial ruling was like when Amanda was previewed, I don't know, several months ago, and I didn't check on it since then. And it had had been overturned before we started playing, but I never noticed it. Uh, I think that just is kind of the... Because the thing is, like, there's a lot of cards like Eureka or level zero deduction where they only give you one symbol, right? So even if you have a level zero deduction under Amanda, you're at like three intellect, basically. You still need a lot of help to actually pass tests with that under her so that's just like a thing that you have to keep in mind yeah that specific interaction with grizzly totem was great most because it elevated cards like that like having even just a eureka kind of would double as a uh as as a perception because you'd be able to exactly draw three things and get two symbols because the grizzly totem and that's great but then unfortunately it does not work that way so it's a little tougher yeah, and I, I should mention, I mean, I still, Grizz, Grizzly Totem level three is still amazing for her because you get to draw even more cards, but right. um, so so let's briefly uh, roll, I mean, mainly you're going to be the, a primary investigator getting clues. For sure. There, some people are doing kind of interesting builds with her using like um, uh, Acidic Icker and uh, a level two Vicious Blow, which she can play <laughs> and other other cards. Like there's a lot of practiced cards she can use that are relevant. So you can make kind of like a murder murder amanda build which is kind of interesting but i think i I think for the most part it's going to be like getting clues is her her main job i mean a lot of the seeker cards that let you murder stuff also like let you use your intellect so she doesn't benefit as much from being able to boost her other stuff but yeah the combat build is fun because you can like throw vicious blows on there 
because she's her she can use all the cantrips or whatnot if she really wants to boost a particular skill for something to do something weird. But you're right, because seekers lean themselves to getting clues and drawing cards, it's all about getting clues for her. Because she can keep in mind, Acidic Icker basically gives her a base combat of six, which, right. is, which is great <laughs> which for is really her, right? dumb. And then on top of that, you have like Vicious Blows, you have uh, level two overpower to draw a million cards. There's other things like I think like Stunning Blow or something. There's other cards you can do. So Yeah, just go to the Louisiana Bayou. She'll be the ultimate predator. Is level two overpower practiced? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Oh, man. Overpower, perception, deduction, and vicious blow are practiced, and uh, manual dexterity and guts are innate. And I think also like the the other skill cards that are like that. Yeah. Okay. So there's there's like a practiced versus innate thing, and you know like Silas is like the innate guy, and Amanda is the practiced person. So we didn't. Did we? Did we get to talk about practicing perfect on her yet? Obviously, that's great because you you use that to like find a card and get one use out of it, and then you put it under the next turn and you get even more uses out of it. Yeah, I mean, talking so, about her favorite cards, that's definitely one of them. Yeah the 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 main the main skill cards that I think are her bread and butter are deduction and perception. Those are the ones that you want to put under her to just do a ton of investigating. Eureka is also pretty good, and then you want some like um, just kind of general purpose things like uh, unexpected courage, inquiring minds, promise of power are good ones yeah promise of power puts her at six 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 for the whole turn it does it does put a lot of curse tokens in the bag but that's probably fine yeah, this doesn't do anything it's fine <laughs> prophecy also can be quite good so those are those are all good cards for her so i think that you're drawing so many cards on her turn that cryptic writings is pretty good for her it's annoying because the card that you draw at the beginning of investigator phase is not during your turn, so you'll draw it often then or on upkeep, and it'll be annoying. But it also has two intellect symbols on it, so you can just put it under her. I was about to say, good. yeah, it's it's the two intellect icons is, is great. Well, is it two intellect? Isn't it an intellect and a wild, which is even better? The level two version is an is an intellect oh, and a wild. Okay, yeah, but the the level zero version is two intellect. And with those and crack the case, you can get a lot of actionless money with her, and then you can play higher education. And at that point, you you no longer have to worry about passing stuff because you just have so much money and use higher education, and you can pass whatever you want. And you're talking about level zero higher education, right? Not even the upgraded one. I'm I'm starting with the level zero one. I will definitely upgrade to the higher level one once I once I get enough XP. Once you get fifteen experience, <laughs> yeah, it's only eight. And sell, and sell your unborn child. I to, assume uh, I assume like they're going to taboo it even more. Uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, by the time this episode comes out, they might have a new taboo list. Who knows? Very we'll excited. Um, but but I should mention, I really think what's really important for Amanda is just static bonuses to her intellect because. You, you want to be able, again, you want to be able to like put a Eureka under her, which only gives you one int symbol and still be able to pass investigation tests, right? Yeah, pretty So you lively. need, so magnifying glasses, I think are really important for her. Milan. Dr. Milan or some other ally that gives you intellect. Or Witten. The tarot card, once you get enough, uh, although you got to be careful with that because you really don't want too many cards that don't have icons on them, I think for her. But yeah, yeah you, you really need those kind of like static intellect bonuses. And in, especially... I think magnifying glasses are just an absolute no-brainer for her. As as in any seeker, pretty much. Yeah, well, yeah. Or at least the ones that have less than five in to start with. Yeah. Did we talk the, uh, what is it, the dream diary that gives you the essence of the dream every other turn to tuck under? That could be good. Yeah, I'm, I'm not... I'm not playing that. I think it's just annoying. That could be fantastic, actually. So the way that the timing works out, you can only actually put that under her every other turn. Right. Because you get it back after the window where you would be able to put it under her. And I just thought that's too annoying to deal with and I don't want to bother with it. That's fair. 
and and also while it is very good i mean you can just play like promise of power and courage and stuff and it's like you you have enough cards you draw enough cards that you usually have one of those cards when you need it Hmm. um but it i i mean i think it is solid you could definitely play it are there any of the other unidentified or untranslated or whatever cards that i think might be okay for her so obviously i'm a huge fan of guiding stones and i play that in most of the multiplayer secret decks i'm not playing that in her because i think her version of that is just put a deduction underneath her and then investigate three times <laughs> yeah that's which you can too. which you can do every couple of turns because right. of drawing so many cards so <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't bother with guiding stones i i would i would play acidic kicker if you want to do that combat build with her but if you're not going to do that then i don't think you need that either what about high level cards that are good for uh what's the one with the eye of whatever eye of truth oh yeah eye of truth i think that's great for her the other thing too is that she is very much a um, an investigator who wants to investigate as as much as possible. So things like Pathfinder and Shortcut are great for her. Like as oh, yeah. condensing the amount of moving or doing other things that she has to do, which is, is true so for great. most seekers, but even more for her because if you have a perception level two underneath her, you really want to investigate three times and draw six cards. You don't want to move and then investigate twice. You know, right? And I think also on on that note, also you could play the pendant with her the onyx fragments like obviously mandy is like the best possible choice for that but like other other people like min and i think amanda can also play it pretty well amanda could burn through her deck really quickly so yeah she could and, definitely find and it. it is you know it's she has enough money to easily pay for it every time she can teleport around which helps her not have to spend actions right so i i, I don't have that in my deck yet but i might get it eventually it's definitely a strong card yeah. yeah, we'll just see if that survives the taboo list. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, but I mean, we've already we've already started, so we, we've already made the decks, so we're oh, locked yeah, into yeah, the that's right. last September. Our current runs list. are locked into the current taboo list. Can we but... can we start like? Uh, do you guys want to start like six or seven other campaigns <laughs> uh, with so I can lock in a bunch of really overpowered secret decks before the bunch of dumb nerfs happen? Uh, I would like that very much. Uh, <laughs> What uh? What what movie did we pick for Amanda? So we picked uh this movie called The Faculty. We couldn't really find like one very specifically that dealt with a college student who got into some weird, mysterious stuff. But specifically, The Faculty. It's a ninety ninety eight film. Um, it's a science fiction horror, I believe, and it's got like Elijah Wood in it and all these uh pretty high profile actors now. Anyway. John Stewart, famous actor John Stewart. Famous actor John Stewart, uh, and Josh Hartnett and a couple others. But basically they're they're these kids in this high school and um they're the the faculty start exhibiting these weird It's a horror movie. And, stuff stuff yeah, happens, you know. <laughs> the faculty starts acting really weird and uh they start believing that some like higher power being is controlling the faculty and there's there's a student in it. There there are students in it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't spoil find... the whole thing, Dane. There's students. Like <laughs> <laughs> Obviously obviously Amanda is a college student at Miskatonic University, not a high school student, but if the faculty had been successful enough for there to be a sequel, potentially <laughs> they, there might have been like a college the faculty two college days or something. And so that's then, right. you know, that's that the recommendation, the faculty two. That's <laughs> we uh, I think we've complained about this before, but obviously Amanda is yet another uh, scared book lady. She's she's not very scared compared to some of the other ones, but she definitely is a book lady. So there's so many of these, it's hard to pick movies for them. We, we did the best we could. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's a fun, campy, uh, sci-fi, horror kind of movie, too. So I would check it out uh, if, you're, if you like those kinds of movies. Let's, uh, let's move on to the next investigator. The next investigator is Trish Scarborough, the spy. 
she is a uh, she's our rogue in Innsmouth, and she has uh, two will for intellect, two combat, and four agility. Uh, her ability is that after you discover one or more clues at a location with an enemy, either discover one additional clue at that location or automatically evade that enemy limit once per round. She has eight health, six sanity. Uh, she can take rogue cards level zero to five, neutral cards zero to five, secret cards level zero to two. And uh, her elder sign is plus two. If this is an investigation you may choose any revealed location, you are now investigating at, at that location instead. So Trish, uh, for me, is a long-awaited combination. I've always, always, always wanted there to be a rogue-slash-seeker subtype investigator, so I'm very happy to have her here finally. And she's looking really strong. I think that she has a lot of things going for her. She's got a lot of pros, which, which we'll get into now. One, her intellect being a four is amazing. Two, her agility being four is great. I mean, she can handle herself. And her ability is, is very unique. Uh, among investigators so far, but I think it's pretty powerful. Yeah, and she's got eight, eight health and six sanity, which is pretty good. And she also has pretty good signature card, right? Yeah. So her signature card, uh, in the shadows, is a zero cost event. It comes with two agility icons and two wild icons on it, with a, which is a lot of icons. It's a tactic. Fast play after your turn begins. Disengage with each enemy engaged with you until the end of the round. Enemies cannot engage you, and you cannot deal damage to enemies. Uh, her weakness, though. Uh, is Shadow Agents. It's probably the beefiest enemy that anybody has in their decks. <laughs> three combat, three health, and five agility. Her prey is uh, Trish Scarborough only. Hunter, when Shadow Agents is engaged with you, you cannot discover clues except by investigating, and then after they're successfully evaded, discard it. So you don't necessarily have to kill them. They do two points of health uh, damage to two points of damage to you. Yeah, we we should mention j- just briefly. I think that uh, Dane mentioned sort of waiting for a. Uh, rogue with off-class seeker i think she is very similar to finn in a lot of ways who was not actually off-class seeker but kind of felt that way and he could yeah. access some seeker cards for sure he he also had a four in um intellect and four in agility right and unlike finn uh trish has two will instead of one which Double. is very, very pretty high for a rogue yes yeah, so her strengths are definitely uh leans into getting clues she has access to the seeker pool in full so she can really beef up her intellect if she wants to do that. And she can also do evading when needed. Her ability lets her get clues faster if there's an enemy there, which lets her do some weird stuff with uh, how she wants to investigate. Because um, it doesn't have to be at a location she's currently at with an enemy. It's just when she discovers clues from there. So she can do some nonsense where she remotely discovers clues and evades enemies that are following her or just gets clues from underneath an enemy. You don't want to go back to a location to have to deal with her stuff. Yeah, we, we we should. I just want to mention again, just going back to Finn again, that combo of four intellect and four agility, where you're very good at getting clues, and then also you can evade things as like a backup plan, that is very powerful. So that's a that's just like a good place to be. Her ability, though, so so let's let's kind of segue over into weaknesses, and we can come back if we need to. But um, I think that her ability. It, it seems to me like it's maybe very, very good in solo and then maybe like a lot less good in multiplayer. Is that is that crazy? It's, it's mostly what I'm thinking is like, you know, after you get a clue, you get to, if there's an enemy there, you get to either get an extra clue or evade it for free. But I, I think the sequencing might be kind of hard if you have like other people in your group because it's like, do I go first and I pick up a clue and get an extra clue? Or do you go first to come kill this monster that's on me? Do I spend an action to evade it? Is that, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out how her ability is really going to be beneficial in larger groups. What, what do you guys think? 
I think it's a little wacky. I mean, larger groups are more likely to have somebody else draw an enemy. That's true. At the, and be at a location where you want clues. I Again, I think you need to use cards on her that let you get clues from other locations. Like, Intel Report is a straightforward one, but there's also right. stuff like, uh, was it In the Know, I think, that lets you, like, get a connecting location or whatever. In the Know, seeking answers. There's yeah. a lot of secret cards that we typically don't play very much, but maybe they're worth revisiting for Trish. Yeah, I yeah. think they at least, at least be interesting to try out with her. Um, also, like, enemies that are, like, if you're doing scenarios where there's aloof enemies, it's amazing. Uh, oh, yeah. For getting, yeah. For getting clues. Uh, so an enemy spells your location, then you can trigger off of that to get two clues. It also definitely gets around the, a lot of times it's like, oh, someone has an enemy on them. Do I really have to like engage it and then evade it? Like that's two actions. That's like, plus if you need to move there, it's, it's really difficult with Trish, you know, maybe you can just move over there, grab a clue and just evade it off of them yeah. without having to engage it. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you could just Pathfinder straight in, right? Yeah, that too. Yeah. I mean, anyone, <laughs> anyone who can play Pathfinder, we should mention that as a strength because it really is so good. Yeah, she, yeah. I mean, she has access to a lot of the seeker draw engine, seeker movement engine, Secret clue getting engine, you know everything. Secrets can do everything, so she, she has access to all of it. Yep. Uh, zero to two is most of that stuff. So she can play like the so she can play the cigarette case, and she can play you know lock picks, and she can play uh, pickpocketing, and she can play both upgraded deduction and manual dexterity and perception. She gets access to a lot of great cards, including yeah because. Because Finn couldn't play, uh, you know, Finn couldn't play, like, upgraded secret cards. Yeah, right? no she upgraded can. deduction, no upgraded perceptions. Pathfinder, yeah. And as a rogue, she also has a high-level rogue cards. She can get access to getting a ton of money. So similar to, like, Amanda, she could probably load up on, on money and be able to pay her way to do stuff, uh, either mm -hmm. with, like, a higher education level zero or just, like, the rogue cards that let her pay for stuff, like Intel Report or... Uh, was it Pilfer? I think it's the only, only gets you like three clues. Yeah. Um, that <laughs> even, type of stuff. She, yeah, she can even play the like the seeker money card. She can play level two cryptic writings, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right. Or crack the case. Among yeah, among other things. I'm trying to think of. None of us has actually got a chance to play her yet. I'm trying to think of what high level rogue cards like can real. She could really uh, pop off with. She can't play pop, but. Uh... So let's let's briefly talk about roles for her. I mean, I think that she. It's not that she couldn't go like all in on clues or all in on evading, but it's that she's so good at both. It would be kind of a crime to like not at least a, a little bit lean into both sides of it, I think. Right. I mean, yeah. at the very least, like you want to you want to be able to get clues. Like, I, I guess one thing I am curious about for her is how much do you play cards that are based on like being able to evade things? And, or do you just say, I'm not ever actually going to do an, an evasion test. I'm just always going to use my ability to evade stuff. I'm not sure about that yet. So it's a, it's a little tricky because if there's an enemy on her and she needs to get clues by doing an action, the enemy will attack her. So unless she has a way to avoid attacks, which there's like obfuscation that came out that this, but she might want to actually evade something first and then just get like double clues or something. But what I'm thinking about even more than that is like working a hunch or activating mm. uh, Lola, Lola Santiago. Like there's ways to just instantly get clues, which would have instantly evade something. Yeah, that's true. It's the higher level cards. Or, or, uh, or pen, Pendant of the Queen, even, you know? Oh, yeah, she can get Pendant, too. Isn't upgraded stealth fast? Like, you can evade fast with upgraded stealth, and it doesn't necessarily, like, exhaust the enemy, but they don't, they can't engage you. Uh, Maybe that's like something that's pretty good. Maybe. I kind of like Dan's plan of just instantly getting clues <laughs> as a free trigger. A little bit, a little bit better, but... 
we're yeah we're, we're kind of talking about favorite cards for her i think that working a hunch just because it lets you instantly evade something that's on her and not worry about aoos seems really oh, good yeah, and lola yeah. Sani- lola santiago also just very good for her i think oh yeah definitely she can streetwise also help her like crazy like it does most rogues it costs like eight. <laughs> in the node for me it was one thing that i was very very interested on in using because it allows her to be more adaptable to like if there's stalking enemies like if you have the thing that follows or like tony's weakness pops up somewhere the only issue that i think i have with her ability which which is kind of weird is that it it almost rewards you for leaving some clues like errant clues in different places if, if you have a lot of like hunter enemies moving around or something like that or I don't well, know. I think I think she does better in general in in scenarios where there are probably more enemies to walk around, and also teams that are based more on like dodging things. I don't know if it rewards you uh, per se, but it's more like it gives you the option to like maybe you're more willing to abandon a clue with an enemy there because you have ways to go grab it later more easily with her. Yeah. Because I, I I don't know. Yeah. So which which can be nice. It's always good to have more options. So what we didn't talk about was how, uh, much like Luke, she can play spoiler to several scenarios herself by breaking them until they get <laughs> FAQ'd or added. Because her, her her ability in the shadows is uh, disengage from each enemy, engage with you until the end of the round. Uh, enemies cannot engage you and cannot deal damage to enemies. It's signature card. So if there's, say, uh, some enemy that would spawn with her because the an act instruction says that or something, then it would just not be able to engage her. Like, or if it says something that's like, you know, spawn this, engage with her, it, it blocks that. Uh, just like similar, like if Luke's in his dream zone and something said it would have to spawn with Luke, it gets blocked. Well, it, it, yeah, if it says spawn it, engaged with her, if it just says, uh, if it just would spawn at her location, it just doesn't, it, it just sits on the location, right? Yeah, so Luke yeah. still breaks it harder, but uh, she, <laughs> she, she has potential. Also notably, her automatic evade uh, isn't non-elite enemies only. That was the first thing that I knew that I was like, wow, that's, that's, you could just evade anything with it. The thing I want to mention though, is that, so in the shadows, you have to play it right when your turn begins and it goes away at the end of the round. So a lot of like big enemy spawning is a thing that happens when the agenda advances. I mean, it could also be the act. Yeah. When you advance uh, the act too. If it's the agenda advancing, then you, there's no way to have in the shadows active at that time. Yeah, it's it's not all scenarios. There's definitely a couple where it's like you spend clues. Unless you draw to the flame or delve and draw on ancient evils and advance it then. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I do. I, I think in general though, in the shadows does not seem super great to me. Like you'll you'll find ways to use it, but it doesn't impress me a whole lot. I think. It's. I mean, it's like two agility, or it's like effectively four agility, or two wild. It's, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's good. It's good to commit and definitely trigger cigarette case and stuff off of. I'm always just thing. amused when there's something that like breaks a scenario, uh, and uh, <laughs> they have to they have to FAQ it or add it because of a card they introduce themselves. So. That's, that <laughs> so. is funny. That's very funny. Yeah. Anything to say about her other than her movie? Any other thoughts? Crystallizer of dreams. No. All right. Movie. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh for for a movie for trish so with obviously there's a there's a lot of spy movies we tried to pick one that wasn't sort of like a, an action movie like james bond or something we picked a movie called night train in munich uh which is pretty cool it is a i think 1939 or 40 british spy movie there was this whole genre of like british spy thrillers in the years leading up to world war ii which are basically about people like taking trains around europe and trying to steal secret plans from the nazis and uh some of them are pretty cool like hitchcock directed at least one this one's directed by carol reed it's pretty cool it's like an old school spy movie and has spies in it 
so you know it's only it's only about 10 or 15 years after the events of the arkham files and uh you know, that's kind of appropriate for Trish. One thing that's kind of interesting is, so she works for the Black Chamber, which is basically like the pre-NSA NSA that existed during World War II. So fun, fun little historical tidbit. Look up the Wikipedia page. I'm surprised you guys didn't go with something with like someone that changes their faces. Because our headcanon is that she constantly changes their face and is always in disguise. Even though there's actually nothing supporting that in... <laughs> her story but uh well we didn't know about that because it doesn't say that on her card and we don't read we haven't read the investigators of arkham book well no that's our headcanon when we talked about like obfuscation and every road card we were like trish is on every card right yep that's Uh, that we did discuss it like a month ago which is you know years in quarantine time so it's it's fair (laughs) should we move on and talk about our next investigator yeah all right so let's take a look at dexter drake the magician He's the mystic in this pack. Uh, he also was previously released as a novella, although it wasn't that long ago. Uh, it was earlier this year. His stat line is uh, 5, 2, 3, 2. So he's got that 5 willpower that we like to see in mystics. He's a sorcerer and a veteran. His ability is free trigger during your turn. Discard an asset you control. Play an asset with a different title from your hand, reducing its cost by 1. Limit once per round. His elder sign uh, lets him return an asset from play into his hand, and then he draws a card. Deck building is Mystic 0 to 5, uh, Rogue 0 to 2, uh, Neutral 0 to 5, so pretty basic deck building, uh, class subclass. Uh, oh, and he has 6 health, uh, 8 sanity. And then his uh, his signature tra- card that came in the box is Showmanship. It's a cost 1 asset with a combat agility and a wild icon. It's a talent. Its ability is reaction. After an asset enters play under your control, until the end of the round, you get plus two to each of your skills while resolving a triggered ability on that asset. His weakness is occult scraps. It's a cost zero asset weakness. It's an item. Uh, Occult scraps cannot be played using a play action. While occult scraps is in your hand, you get minus two willpower. While it's in play, you get minus one willpower. So it's a weakness that if you want to get rid of it, kind of you have to use his ability for like two rounds to to get rid of it fully. Mm. I guess I'll also mention his novella replacement weaknesses or uh, replacement cards. He's got Molly Maxwell, the exotic Morgana, uh, cost three asset, willpower, agility, and wild icon. She's an ally and assistant. Ability is free trigger, exhaust Molly and deal her one horror. Name a trait one at a time. Reveal cards from the top of your deck until an asset with the name trait is revealed. Draw that asset, shuffle, uh, and then shuffle your deck. Takes up an ally slot. Has two health, four sanity. And the weakness is, uh oh, oh boy, Yazet, 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 Yaztaroth. It's a curse that a pact put into play when you uh, reveal it. You cannot put assets into play. Double action, discard. Pretty basic weakness there. For some reason, when I look at the art for Yaztaroth, the thing that comes to mind is the phrase "blue oyster cult." which doesn't actually describe what's going on in this image, but somehow that's what comes to mind. The so, art in it is so cool. It's made by the legendary Adam S. Doyle. So It is, it is really neat, our, our buddy ASD. I also just want to mention, I really enjoy that Dexter is a veteran because I imagine him and Mark in a duo just hanging out and being like, hey, were you in the shit? And like, yeah, I was in the shit. Were you in the shit? <laughs> yeah, I was in the shit. And then they fist bump and then they're like best friends. So that's fair. That's, that's my headcanon for these guys. They're, it's like a buddy cop movie. Well, but it doesn't look like Dexter. I don't know if Dexter has like any horrible trauma from the war, unlike Mark. He's got but, these scraps. I mean, look, look at him. He's wearing he's wearing that hat. He's he has a weird mustache. He's 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 seen some shit. Oh no! Right I now. just reread his backstory. The scraps are part of the Necronomicon. Oh no! 
It's very oh, dangerous no. and scary. Um, that's like half of all the weaknesses in the game yeah. are like pieces of the Necronomicon. Or <laughs> something. That's the thing. Like his his weakness is actually pretty bad, <laughs> and it's only like a page of the Necronomicon. Meanwhile, Daisy's over there <laughs> holding the entire Necronomicon, and she's still a G. I mean, Daisy's weakness is is pretty bad, but we gotta constantly just you know reading books is dangerous. Even pieces of books, like just gotta just gotta avoid that. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're back. We're back on this again. Back to back to strengths. Let's talk about strengths. So five will, hooray! Yeah. So five will. We we love that mystics. Um, he can play cigarette case. Yay! Yeah. Yep. That yeah. Is, that is fantastic. The first mystic that can do so, except for Jim, I guess. And haste too. Yeah. Yeah. He has access to a lot of the fun rogue cards from zero to two. A lot of the money cards, so he can be a very rich mystic, which is. We had anyone that have we had any mystics that are really good at having money? Safina. Safina is not actually a mystic though. Shh. <laughs> the thing I the thing I want to mention though, so you're right that he can get a lot of money. I think so far there are not a lot of payoffs for money in his in cards that he can play. Other than like playing ridiculously heavy spells. I mean he can pay, he could play uh like in teleports and stuff if he wanted. I I'm not using those right now in the deck I'm playing with them, but they might get adapted in eventually. All I'm saying is that he doesn't really benefit from like Streetwise or Higher Ed or something where he can just like pump all of his money into that and really be awesome, you know? Yeah, unfortunately, like the Mystic version of those, like Blood Pact, isn't, doesn't cost you money, it costs you Doom. Mm. You can use Arcane Studies. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway so suddenly we've so, all turned into like 1980s like italian gangsters i was so, thinking i was thinking yeah. muppets but you know that yeah yeah so yeah so i mean it is a strength that he doesn't have to worry about money he doesn't need as many money cards as deck if he doesn't want to because yeah uh, his ability also saves him a lot of money if he's using it his ability is really cool it's just like you have a shriveling in hand and you just you don't have to play it ahead of time you can wait and see if you need it and then you play it that's pretty neat yeah uh i like that a lot maybe we talk about when we talk about his deck building but uh i use a lot of one ofs in his deck like he use one shriveling and one uh azure flame just because his ability you want to have different titles to be able to bounce stuff around but that's pretty it, it's pretty great it's nice that he has the cost reduction so maybe he doesn't need as much money to play and he can like play an asset use up the charges on it or the supply or whatever um and then be able to reuse use the asset as as a discount and as a free play uh, of something that you needs needs for the next turn so that's that's pretty fun have you used a signature card like in tandem yet or no i have not drawn it early enough to consider playing it it's kind of a cool interesting like flourish of things that you can do with it i think i think showmanship is just really not great just because you're probably not gonna get to get very much out of it very often it's tough because the thing i think it's the best at doing is succeeding by a certain amount of things, right? Like, if you play a Shriveling out of your hand, like Shriveling level 5 or whatever, let's say, you get the plus 2 or 3 will, I can't remember exactly how much it is, you get the plus whatever will you you would have normally, so you're at a 7, and then you get Showmanship triggers, which gives you another 2, and then you're succeeding by a billion. But you're not playing, like, shotgun Shriveling, you're playing just, like, Shriveling, so it doesn't matter how much you, you, you succeed by. And there's just the fact that, like, he already, he can play a lot of things that boost his will. He starts with five. The spells, once you upgrade them, give you bonuses to will as well. I just think he's going to pass most of his will tests. You don't really need this to to pass, you know. Uh, If you're doing a deck that's not using the spell assets, 
then maybe you need the showmanship bonuses. Like maybe you use lockpicks or something. I don't know. I, I, feel, I feel like the spells are the way to go. So this is honestly, this is one thing that is a little bit of a bummer to me about Dexter. I do think he's really cool uh, and I do want to play him, but his ability to me reminds me of like Netrunner where you'd play cards that were like just to be sold to Aesop or something, or like you'd play a card just to, you'd play like a, a program just to scavenge it into another program. This game doesn't have as many sort of like cheap disposable assets that like come into play, do something for you, and then they've outlived their usefulness and then you can basically sacrifice them. I wish there were more cards like that because that's what his ability to me really seems like it could make great use out of. There are some like I'm using like a a liquid courage to like do a little bit of horror healing and then trash it for something. That's a good one. You could do like smoking pipe or um, painkillers. I'm not using them in mind, but there are some cheap assets forbidden knowledge forbidden, forbidden knowledge. knowledge that so the thing is a lot of these remove themselves once they're empty though yeah. not, not all of them do but a lot but of you them can do. just use three charges and then you get three three money and then you just like it's zero cost assets so like you're only you're still only benefiting from it that's true you could even even do stuff like arcane studies you could get it down where you need it until you get like stuff that you want to boost with or something but there are some but dan's right there's not quite enough that i'm like oh i can fill my whole deck with cheap stuff and be able to bounce it all around and still be like as strong as using assets you're still you're still playing like about two-thirds of the cards in the best dexter deck are the same cards you'd play in like agnes or akachi like you are you do get to swap out some for fun green cards and that's cool but it's like you're not you're not really like using his ability all the time it's more like just like a fun sauce on top of other stuff we, we've kind of covered like strengths are like his his will he can you know he can pass a lot of tests the green cards help him get money and draw cards with a cigarette case which is great and weaknesses i mean standard mystic stuff right like he takes a little bit longer to set up than some other classes i think he takes a little bit less than other mystics just because he can get one asset down and then bounce stuff around when he needs to yeah and and the yeah and it's he's also he's gonna have money to play whatever he needs pretty early i think which is cool yeah i think a a reasonable mention would be occult scraps it's kind of kind of really annoying (laughs) the turn he draws it he's at three will and then and then he has to play it and then so let's briefly talk about the choice of which signatures you want i think that the novella ones are just better yeah, a lot of the time Yazgaroth, like sometimes you'll just have your assets out and you don't care about it for a while. It can be really annoying because you're like you're holding a shriveling or a sword cane in hand and you're like, okay, if I, if I draw an enemy, I'll just use Dexter's ability to play this. And then you draw Yazgaroth in upkeep and or, or or then you draw an enemy in mythos phase and it's like, oh, well, now I'm in trouble, right? Yeah. But I mean, you shouldn't you shouldn't worry too much about that. It's it, it Dane's right that it's not like a horrific weakness. But Molly is so much better than his. <laughs> yeah, than Molly's Molly's pretty cool because she's she's like a third arcane initiate kind of, so that is even better. Yeah. So. Yeah, like you can use her to draw specific cards if you if you design your if you know your deck well enough that you know the traits, you can probably target a couple specific cards when you need them, or you can just use her to generally draw spells. Um, she'll yeah. always hit something unlike our initiate although she only has like three-ish or she's like uh four-ish uses basically uh unless you can heal her somehow but she'll at least always hit something where arcane initiate might whiff a few times depending on your deck how it shuffled or how many spells you have and especially i mean she she's quite good but comparing her to showmanship it's just no question yeah right? you'd absolutely rather have molly i think and she even yeah. commits for two will instead of two combat which is <laughs> which is gonna be <laughs> hey, better that's, that's in most better. cases and I mean, should uh, so for for roll, I think just standard mystic, you you can go more in the direction of clues or fighting, but probably ideally you want to do a little bit of both. 
So here's the thing. I I built Dexter before, and I built him as either a specific like seeker or a specific fighter. And I really like the way that he works because I like the card haste a lot because haste actually takes up a uh, an arcane slot. And having just one arcane slot, if you just have like a sixth sense or if you just have like a right of seeking, right of seeking sixth sense slash clairvoyance, and you just cycle that one slot, you can really discover a disgusting amount of clues with it. You can you can get like four investigates in one in one turn. And I had the, the kind of the whole deck was was kind of based around getting like extra actions and, and being able to investigate as much as humanly possible. And it worked out really well. It's it's an interesting idea, but I mean, keep in mind also that um, you can't just play Leo because he has enough money to just to pay for Leo, right? So that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. Leo's I, great. I I feel like I would lean more towards just play play Leo if you want extra actions and don't play Haste because like it, Haste is good, obviously, but like it does just limit you a lot in your arcane slots. Yeah, I, he definitely has the option to go down the extra action route that he can get stuff from rogues. But uh, so other cards, uh, other cards for for Dexter that are really good. Oh, uh, one really big one, uh, our very good friend, the the, oh, professor, the, yeah. the, the esteemed <laughs> eschatologist, uh, Mr. David Renfield. Oh, yeah. He is uh, great. <laughs> I love Mr. David Renfield on him. He gives me so much money, and then when he gets close to needing to, you know go on a vacation i can just you know do that instantly uh, you, can, you can turn you can turn him into a case of cigarettes or right. something you know it's, uh, it's great um, <laughs> yeah the stuff that yeah other cards that like put do you get some benefit from putting doom on them and then you want to be able to get rid of them without having to do other nonsense like uh needing a moonlight ritual or having to play over it or whatever is great so like arcane shit's good oh, for yeah. him too uh i think there's a level zero blood pact coming out at some point and that seems like that's going to be so good yeah. Assuming it lets yeah. him put Doom on it and then he can trade it out. Because unlike the permanent, the permanent sticks around if he can I think, I think you might not even need it, but 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 definitely the, the David Renfield thing is very real because that's already <laughs> like a very fun card, even for other mystics, but oh, yeah. having just a very reliable way to get rid of him, except unless you draw Yastroff, ha ha ha. But uh <laughs> um you know, like Yazzie T versus David Renfield, who will win? But uh <laughs> No, no. I mean, I, I think Renfield is is definitely really great. Yeah, Sword Cane's great for him too. It's kind of good for all yeah. mystics, but uh, it, it's very thematic. It's, the, it's themed for him. You know, he is a cane. I think Magic Cane. I don't know. Yeah, especially because if you really need to run across the map and kill a cultist, maybe you can run across the map, use his ability to get the Sword Cane down, and instantly trigger it. Right. Right. We should also mention. So I think Ben mentioned cards like a uh, Leather Jacket or obfuscation that are fast i think it's fun to have at least like one fast asset in his deck that you can play just so that if you really need to play it can kind of turn that into any other fast asset if you really mm. need to because you can like play that fast and then use dexter's ability to swap it for something else yeah, that's yeah a good point. Ch- cheap fast up is great leather coat's good for him also just because he has a lot of money and you know gives him a little bit of health soak he, he does have six health base which is pretty good but yeah and then he can trade it out so i like all that stuff a lot, a lot of fun options you can do with him yeah and then, uh, and and I think we mentioned already, but Liquid Courage, because if you're playing the, if you're playing like Clairvoyance and Shriveling, you probably will take a bunch of horror. And it is also a great way to trigger a cigarette case because it's an easy test. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you can always use it on other people. So might 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 also be good. Oh, yeah. Anything else about, uh, about uh, Dexter? I, was, I guess he could play level three Enchanted Blade if he really wanted to, because he does have three combat. Yeah, but eh, sword cane's better. I like sword cane. Uh, I mean, it would be, it would it would look cool. It would be kind of like a you know cool fun thing to do, but probably not as good as shriveling and stuff. Yeah. Hey, what movie did you guys pick about a magician? Is it Now You See Me? 
No. Nope, you don't <laughs> see me. <laughs> we picked the fourth sequel to Now You See Me. Now, oh. now two, three, <laughs> five me or something. I don't, I, don't I don't know where I was going with that one. Dane, what's the actual movie that we picked for, for Dexter? Dane. Oh, Come I get, on. I guess it's Doctor Strange, right? Dan's cracking up, so it must be Doctor Strange. You, we picked oh, Doctor Strange. Called. Wow, Ben, why didn't you no. suggest that earlier? That would have been great for this guy. <laughs> we picked a movie called The Prestige. Uh, it was a 2006 film, not to be confused with the 2006 film, also about magicians called The Illusionist, uh, which is also a possibility. But The Prestige is a movie starring a huge jacked man and uh, Christian Bale. And also, I think Scarlett Johansson is in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's basically about two illusionists, wizards, stage stage magicians who are like vying for the coolest trick and who go to even greater lengths than one another to have the coolest trick. That, right? Is that's kind of like in a bottleneck in a bottle? Uh... Yeah, ba- basically. I, I saw it a while ago. Um, it's it's probably like the least popular Chris Nolan movie, I guess. <laughs> probably, yeah. Or or the least the the least like one that people talk about you know yeah sure 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 it doesn't have that like booming orchestral thing that that hans zimmer has going on but no it's a it's a very solid movie it, there's a lot of twists and turns and doves flying out of people's hands and pockets and everywhere so it's a good watch cool uh so there's one more investigator to talk about but we have already talked about him so we're just gonna do a quick update right ben yeah so we got silas marsh again um we talked about it on the Survivors episode because it came out as a novella Fighting around the world. Yeah, <laughs> it came out it was, it was like two years ago that novella came out, right? So we've had him for a while. It's a long time ago. So the updates is they finally released his signature cards that have been printed on him in his deck building. He's got his sea change harpoon. It's a cost three asset with a combat and a wild icon on it. Its ability is fight. You get plus one to this attack. If you commit one or more skill cards, this attack deals plus one damage, and then when the skill test ends, you may return C change harpoon to your hand to return all of the committed skills to your hand instead of discarding them. He also has Silas's Net, which is a which is a much uh, lower effort name um, <laughs> than C change harpoon, <laughs> uh, but it's fine. Uh, it's uh, almost exactly the same except it's for evading. It's got it's cost two, it has a agility icon on it. The ability is evade, uh, exactly the same. You get plus one evade for the evasion attempt. If you commit cards, you may automatically evade another enemy engaged with you, and then the skill test ends, you can return the net to your hand to return all the skill cards to your hand instead of discarding them. So two extra tools to help him fight and evade stuff. And then his weakness is Siren's Call, which features art of him staring in a pool, and he's turning into a fish person, I think. It's a puddle, that, actually. That, uh, it's a puddle, puddle yeah. on the street. Yeah. <laughs> like the filthy Innsmouth person he is. The fish person also has an eye patch, which is great. So, um, <laughs> but the. <laughs> double the eye patch, double the action. The effect is uh, you put it into play when you draw it, and as additional action, uh, additional cost to commit one or more cards to a skill test, you must pay one resource for each matching skill icon those cards have. Double action to discard. Yeah, so this is a reminder he's a 2 2 4 4 investigator, uh, so he's good at, good at dealing with enemies, high combat, high agility. And his ability is he can return uh, a skill cards to his hand after he's revealed the chaos token, so he can control a little bit better whether the effect on a skill card goes off or not. Plus, there's a couple of fun interactions that when he commits a skill card, it'll still apply the it'll still apply the effect. I don't think he's changed too much. Uh, the survivor pool has expanded since we talked to him. 
Particularly, I think with like the Stella deck, it added like some more weapons, which I think was one thing he struggled with was having like a good consistent weapon. I don't really know if his new cards are actually better than his book cards. It's tough. I think that they inhabit a different strength for him. And his 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 harpoon and his net are kind of weird because they're not exactly like a consistent plus one damage slash evade things really well kind of things unless you're using skill cards to enhance them which is probably something that he's always going to have so it's not really going to matter anyway but when i'm running silas i do load him up with skill cards but i don't necessarily want to have to commit to every fight test because maybe it's like a relatively easy fight test that i can pass without committing stuff so yeah yeah i mean they they seem fun but the thing is his novella cards are also very fun i like um nautical prowess a lot and even his weakness i think that was the first skill weakness that we saw and that's kind of interesting too so i yeah i I think if i were going to make a silas deck right now i would probably stick with the novella cards but they're both they're both cool personally i jam them both in i like them all (laughs) <laughs> i think they're all neat that's weird you do have the option to play with both sets but that seems like it's not worth the trade-off to get extra weaknesses in your deck but it's not, you know it can be fun though to have it all in there i guess yeah his original weakness is a little bit nasty but uh it's like i think it's nastier than this new one but nautical prowess is like really powerful as a draw engine which is great did they uh is there different art or is this is this the same as the art that was in the novella or did did they no, it's a different one. You no, know, it's different. It's very different. Okay, yeah. I guess I don't remember what the other one. The novella like. art is like a cover art of the book, which is like an action pose for all of the ones. So, and this and the regular yeah. art is just like kind of them standing there, not not doing too much. I think yeah. I think this one looks familiar because this is the one that was on that was that he used in like Elder Chore and stuff. I think. Yeah. So yeah. this is just him standing there shirtless with all his tattoos. Yeah. Yep. Not fighting anyone. One one last thing we should mention about uh, Silas is that we picked Master and Commander as the movie for him when we originally talked about him, but we thought about it again recently, and we we kind of wish we'd picked Aquaman instead because that would also have been very funny. So uh, I don't know. He looks more like Aquaman. He looks like Aquaman. He deals with fish people. Do with know. that piece of information what you will. And I I think when they do make a Silas movie, probably Russell Crowe will have to fight Jason Momoa to see who gets the claim, and probably Jason <laughs> Momoa will win because he's like a lot younger so he's honestly like literally always shirtless too so i think that for that reason jason momo would probably win probably is master commander is russell crowe the main character that is that way yeah he's also never shirtless though have you really not seen that movie we got to make you watch that movie i don't i think i have i just i don't have a infinite knowledge of every single movie i've ever seen unlike you dan so right they're they're not they're not pokemon he's mostly like a dreary in a admiral sort of a get up thing more conservative less like rebellious is he scottish he's english he spends most of the movie telling other people what to do on a boat because he's the captain that's mm. that's that's an important job someone's got to do it i feel like i need to talk about the the art on silas's net i kind of feel bad if the fish person this net it doesn't look like it's a very scary fish person <laughs> it's like he just kind of caught him in a net i don't know yeah maybe <laughs> now he's being handled by this shirtless man yeah that's, that's very sad yeah so silas is back New, new cards to try out with we've been wondering what these cards would be for like the last two years so they've they've finally is did we finally reach a state where the only investigator who's only available in novellas is uh is norman until gloria comes out yeah until until like next month yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
I definitely I definitely screwed up real bad on the Gloria book. I didn't pre-order it immediately because I figured I'll just pre-order it oh, at, no. at some point. And it who what what is why does everybody want the Gloria book so bad? I just want the damn cards. Everyone, you know, I, that's what everyone wants the cards. And FOG prints like seven copies of it. Uh, <laughs> it'll, it'll it'll come back into print in like 2022 or something so it'll yeah be fine. i mean you might be able to find one at a local game store if you venture out into the fires and the um virus ridden air of california so yeah yeah sounds, yeah. Yeah, sounds realistic <laughs> no i probably shouldn't do that all right that's all five <laughs> so with all that said we can finally wrap this episode up how does everybody feel about finally arriving at the fabled town of Innsmouth? I mean, we've been, this has been a long time coming. I think that everybody's been like, is it Innsmouth yet? No. Is it Innsmouth yet? No. It was inevitable that we'd get it eventually. Finally, we're here. How closely does it resemble your local fishing village? Have you guys woken up at night with the Innsmouth look as of yet? Which of these movies are you guys going to check out? Send us your thoughts on Facebook, Reddit, wherever you listen to podcasts, or email us at comments at mur.fm. If you'd like to help support the cast, consider subscribing to our Patreon. You'll get access to some cool uh, exclusive content on our Discord and for new up-and-coming projects. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay well, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.